0: Saturday morning coffee with Reese Boyd. So me
1: and and this was and was
0: Reese Boyd is on right now. Talk 94.5. Good
2: morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Thanks for joining us here on this Saturday morning, Saturday, April 23rd, 2022, 708 on your Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of Saturday Morning Coffee. I am, of course, Reese Boyd, local attorney here in town with the firm of... Davis and Boyd, Attorneys at Law. I'm your host for Saturday Morning Coffee. Welcome to the show here at Saturday Morning Coffee. We invite you to sit down, pour yourself a cup of your favorite Java. Join us as we talk about the news, current events, all the things happening in this crazy broken world that we live in, all the things that we think you need to know here at Saturday Morning Coffee. As you guys already know, we're all about three things, lower taxes, limited government, all the things that could, would, should absolutely should, mean more freedom for you, me, and all of us who are we the people. All of us, folks. All of us. Got a country to save. It needs saving. And it starts right here. Starts by speaking truth, hearing truth, and acting on truth. Starts right here in the studio. Starts right there in your kitchen, around your kitchen table, right there in your car, wherever you are hearing these words is where it starts starts this morning right now joined in the studio as always by producer extraordinary dr glenn die dr die how are you this morning i'm fine reese how are you this morning i'm good i'm good man what a beautiful morning out there a little fog
3: this is a great time to live in myrtle beach if you're visiting it's a great time to visit i mean the chance of rain this week tuesday 30 percent, and that's slim so sunshine 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 the
2: the sun was beautiful
3: Mm -hmm. uh coming up this morning you know uh,
2: sunrise always is always been and, and is my favorite time of day. you know that you come in and driving into the office or driving into the uh, studio, and that sun comes up and you know you realize, man, what am I going to do with the day? It, 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 every morning, uh, Glenn, it's like a a renewed lease on life when that sun comes up. Wow and I was thinking about that this morning. Every morning, folks, you get a renewal of your lease on life. You didn't own it. you don't own this little plot of ground. You lease it day hey, by well, day. And,
3: and sunrises, sunsets, it gives you the thought of the power of God and how wonderful Amen. it is that we have been created and that we're actually here. Hey, and it's great to wake up every morning, you know? It is great. <laughs> and there's going to come a morning when yeah, we don't. We and don't, that's yeah. that's
2: that's good, too. That's yeah. another kind of great. That's yeah. a different great. Not a great that all of us want to experience today, but it's a great that's uh, in store uh, and uh, or can be in store for us. And, you know, I, th- I think about it every morning, Glenn. We've got every day that sun comes up. You got, I mean, you got 24 hours in the day, obviously, but most of us need about eight hours of sleep, give or take. I can get by on a little less, but eight hours to sleep. You need to spend some time with your family. You need to eat. You need to relax, you know, watch a little Tucker Carlson, do the things that keep you mentally <laughs> sane. Um, so you really got about 12 hours. If you think about it, that's uh by the way, that, that's forty-three thousand two hundred seconds. Yeah. For yes. those who are curious. Yeah. So you got twelve hours really to work with in any given day. For mo- and now you got some su- superhuman folks who manage to maintain sixteen-hour days, but that, mm-hmm. those people are few and far between. But most of us got about right uh, here, baby. baby. <laughs> sixteen-hour Glenn Dye. folks. He's the sixteen-hour man. At least most of us got about uh, forty-three thousand seconds to work with in any given day, and I always think to myself, you know, uh, Maxwell, John Maxwell said, you know, people talk about time management. You can't manage time. You can't really, you can't manage time. All you can really do is exchange those 43,200 seconds for something valuable.
3: But you can be more disciplined and get the most maximum value. Oh, absolutely. And return on investment. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: But in terms of, uh, you know, Maxwell's point in one of his – little blurbs, the things that, you know, one of the hundreds of books he's written on the subject. One of his consistent blurbs is, you know, if you manage things, you can you can manipulate them to create more of them. You know, mm-hmm. And his point was, you, you're not going to create more time. But you're right. You're yeah. right you raise a very well, good point. Well,
3: I think point. Tom Brady is known for having a extremely set schedule as far as getting up, brushing your teeth, having breakfast, working out. Yeah. It's, you know, throughout the Plans, whole day. It's, down to the minute. And it and sounds stupid, but I guess if you have that kind of time and maybe the assistants that can plan all that for you. Yeah. But,
2: but he's figured out how to make maximum use yeah, of his look, time. Look at and, his success. Yeah, yeah, look what mm-hmm. he's done with it. So that's a, another example. You got yeah. so much time each day. What can you exchange it for? And it comes down to uh, exchanging it for something valuable, right. basically. What what is the what is the most valuable use of your time today? And I think that's the question. Wow. That List, each of us should be asking.
3: Listening to Saturday morning coffee it should be one of them every Saturday. Hope I mean, you guys
2: are uh, enjoying and, motor and, running. and finding uh, the discussion productive. So, a lot to talk about here on the show today. A lot going on, of course. A lot happening in the world. A lot of guests. Yeah, a lot of guests today. We're going to be joined here in the studio by a couple of guests or a guest. We got a couple of guests that are going to be uh, phoning in. We're going to be talking to. Drew McKissick uh, today. Drew is the chairman of the South Carolina Republican Party. And uh, Drew uh, sent me an email about uh, an issue related to election reform Mm -hmm. here in uh, the General Assembly in South Carolina, trying to get election uh, reform measures passed in South Carolina to help protect the integrity of our elections. And this is an incredibly important point, not necessarily as important in South Carolina but it's extremely important here but it's also important around the country when none of us were really happy none of us were happy maybe a handful of you were happy but I don't think there are many of you guys who are listening but none of us were happy with the outcome of the 2020 election and none of us were confident that the results that we were handed were the actual results and so one of the things we took away from 2020 is we've got to fix our elections folks and we keep harping on it here in this studio and I don't feel like we're doing enough. I don't feel like we're getting enough done. Anyway, we had an election uh, reform bill trying to improve election procedures in South Carolina that was generally through the uh, General Assembly. And now we've got a contest, a little bit of a a uh, contest of uh, urination, perhaps, between some Republican senators within the General Assembly, uh, within the South Carolina Senate, within the Republican Party. So there's an interesting little uh, discussion going on in the General Assembly, And in the Senate in particular about the bill that's and the governor's involved. And anyway, Drew's going to talk to us about that, help us understand what's going on. And I'm sure um, he'll uh, help us figure out where we stand there. We're also going to be talking today to Representative Paul Renner. Paul Renner is a member of the Florida House of Representatives. And he was recently engaged in debate in the Florida House of Representatives when they were under, I mean, it, they were disrupted. Let's put it that way. I'm not going to characterize it any further than that. Just to say that they were attacked by the Mouseketeers in the General Assembly of Florida. So okay. the, the Disney employees and other protesters apparently were in the chamber or up in the galley or somewhere, but basically disrupting the business or trying to disrupt the business of the Florida House of Representatives. Representative Renner is going to join us and talk to us about the quote-unquote uh, don't-say-gay bill, even though that's not the bill. That's what the opponents have labeled it as. <laughs> Um, and, and I hate to even say that because that's not what it is. I
3: know. It's lies. It's all lies.
2: It's, it's just, it's, it's sheer mm-hmm. illusion. You're and, a magician. You know it. They've yeah. created this illusion yeah. and they've repeated it until, and, and unfortunately, I'm calling it that. And that's not what it is. Right. It's the parental rights in education bill. It has nothing to do with not saying the word gay.
3: Right.
2: It's not in there. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Representative Renner is uh, going to give us a little update on that. And then finally... Uh, Later in the program, we're going to be talking to Val Guest. Uh, Val is a lawyer here in uh, O'Ree County, and he's going to be talking to us about his campaign for the south carolina house of representatives he is running for district 106 to replace russell fry who of course is running for congress so a lot coming up here on saturday morning coffee a lot to discuss a lot to get to maybe we'll get to it all maybe we won't probably not we'll see i'm reese boyd that's glenn Dye. stick with us we'll be right back after these words from our sponsors don't leave town
1: He's bigger than life superhero.
0: He's the captain of the football team. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd radio hour, and more coming up next on Talk 94.5. There's the right way, the wrong way, and a Conway, Conway builders, uncompromised kitchen, bath, flooring, and remodeling. Conway builders hits the nail on the head, quality. We're the shower king on budget, hunt time The sample the best With ConwayBuilders.com You'll never go wrong There's the right way, the wrong way And the Conway, Conway Builders.
4: No one on the Grand Strand cares more about your kitchen and bathroom remodeling jobs than Conway Builders. Go to ConwayBuilders.com to
5: see all of the gorgeous remodeling jobs, and you'll see why they're the shower king. Conway
4: Builders is with you every step of the way. The best quality, the best suppliers, and the best workmanship. Quality craftsmanship and their word is their bond. Because as they say,
0: there's the right way, the wrong way. And the Conway,
2: Conway Builders. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee. And we're here today talking with Scott Pyle of Pyle Financial Services.
6: Reese. Pamela and I have always cherished that we get to live on the coast of South Carolina. What a privilege it is to serve our friends and neighbors along the Grand Strand and beyond with clients in 27 states. And just this year, Pile Financial Services was recognized as the number one company in the country with our broker dealer out of Dallas, Texas. As we look to celebrate and ring in the new year, now is the time to review your financial relationships. 2022 could be a year of much volatility with elections, midterms, and potential tax law changes. If you don't have an advisor you trust, call Pile Financial Services at 843-945-4480 or
2: find them online at pilefinancialservices.com It's Pile Financial Services, aligning wealth with purpose.
0: The Reese Boyd Radio Hour, two full hours on Talk
3: 94.5. Sorry, man, that was the um, error of the month. I had Dr. Hooks queued up, but didn't find it, so... Here's some God bless America for you, Reese. God bless America. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, that. it's uh, Saturday morning coffee.
2: Welcome back to the show. A little God bless America for you. Yeah, a little, uh, sorry about that. little, 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 little uh, production error. That's no problem. Yeah, Our producer is still producer extraordinaire, Dr. Yeah, Glenn yeah. Dye. If uh, if we were uh, if we were perfect, Glenn, we wouldn't need a Jesus. Well, so. right.
3: And I've got J- Jacob sitting next to me this morning. I was explaining stuff to him, like, yes. "Oh, we got to go," and and then I look up and there's nothing loaded there. I have to Uh-oh. do it over here. Run, and row. So it, we're row, uh, row. we're also joined in the uh, studio
2: by jacob the intern this morning so uh, jacob doesn't have a mic but welcome jacob good to have you with us and uh, we are also welcoming uh, others into the studio as we previously discussed but you guys are also welcome to join the show call in line of course is 843-903-2945 and you can text your comments as always Eight four three seven nine eight talk is the text line. That's the pcrxcomputers.com text line. 843-798-8255 for those of you with transliteration challenges. And you can tweet your comments to me. I maintain a Twitter account for limited purposes, but one of them is this show. Tweet me at the call sign at Reese Boyd. That's Reese Boyd. And email the show if you like, reeseboydsmc at gmail.com, of course, is the email address for the show. Quite a few of you email comments about things you'd like to hear about on the show. Some of you have mailed me stuff in recent weeks. It's been incredibly busy. I know I've got some comments that uh, you guys have sent to me. Thoughts, papers, things like that. We'll try to get through those and get uh, and get comments on the air about those. And I appreciate those uh, very much. Also, call us at the office anytime, anytime you want to speak during normal business hours. Always love to hear from you whenever it is. Not everybody's eager to get up and call first thing on Saturday morning. So you can reach me during normal business hours, during the day job, weekdays at Davis & Boyd Attorneys at Law. That number is 843 839 uh, speaking of
3: Davis and Boyd attorneys at law, Glenn, how was your week? My week was extremely busy, very busy. You know, I've, I've got other things just not between the two jobs. You know, the, the blind business and and the radio gigs. I'm painting my home, so I'm every moment I've got free, I'm painting. Oh my goodness! Yeah, you're like you're like me, Glenn. You're a multitasker. You, I am. I am a busy
2: guy. You make uh, mm-hmm. you make good use of those forty three thousand two hundred yeah, seconds. Yeah, I do. I you really do. do. I'm impressed.
3: Right. I mean, seriously, I'm not just yeah. Telling you that, yeah. Except the margarita mix went out of date. I mean, you know, if you've got (laughs) margarita mix, that's a problem. That is, that's a problem. It shows what you've been yeah collecting. Your 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 priorities priorities might be out of order. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Uh, but you know, I was telling somebody, I had uh, depositions all day Monday and Tuesday. I was in. Where was I Tuesday? Uh, Tuesday, I was in mediation all day in a case. Got a little story there we'll share with you. Wednesday, I was in all-day depositions, literally went until about 6 o'clock here in town. Thursday, in court all day, went to about 6 or 6.30. By the way, after that, I had to run out of the courthouse and run to the uh, Coastline Women's Center. Just mm-hmm. want to give a quick shout-out to Coastline Women's Center. Uh, Jeannie Smith gave one of – they had their spring gala. Okay. Their annual fundraiser uh, this week, Thursday night, Jeannie Smith over at Coastline gave one of the best after dinner speeches. I'd call it a speech, but it was really a sermon. I mean, it was like, whoo, good stuff. Best speech I've ever heard after dinner at any of those types of events. She just knocked it right out of the park Mm. and um, just a great update. It was the first in-person gala that they'd had in a while due to COVID. They had the virtual last year. So it was great to be back with everybody. Great event. Super program. I mean, it was just, and like I said, I just can't say enough about the speech that Jeannie Smith gave after dinner. It was just a home run. Uh, Brought me to tears, literally. And uh, yeah, just amazing stuff. And if you guys don't know uh, the deal with Coastline Women's Center, if you guys haven't Mm -hmm. been following their stuff, you know, their office is right here.
3: Yeah, right next door.
2: And um, if you guys haven't followed them, check them out. I, I encourage you, if you Google... Uh Coastline Women's Center, uh, it'll pop right up. And I encourage you to get on board with what they are doing. There are thou, well, there are hundreds of children uh yep. walking around this county, yep. this town, this world, uh, who wouldn't otherwise be here. Right. Uh, but for the efforts of Coastline Women's Center. And Glenn, how can you argue with that?
3: No, they they are wonderful people that have put this together and what they do for this community is unmatched i mean it is just saving one life yeah, let and, alone i think last year was 70.
2: yeah and genie's uh, husband uh, carter and i talked about having him come on to talk about their event uh we didn't get a chance to do that time mm-hmm. management Uh, We didn't get a chance to do that, but we are going to get them on, Jeannie or Carter or both, and get them back in the studio to spend a little more time talking about Coastline Women's Center because, man, what a program, what an event, but more importantly, what a ministry. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. What a ministry. What a great work uh, they are doing and have been doing now for 10 years here in this county. So God bless them. God bless the ministry. And I really encourage you guys to check them out and support them. But back to my miserably miserably overcrowded week. Um, That was Thursday, so we went to the dinner. Friday, I mean, after that week, I get to the office and they have crammed like six appointments on my calendar for Friday. I'm like, "What are y'all? Y'all literally trying to kill me? Are y'all like literally want to watch me die right here in the office?"
3: Well, somebody's got to handle it.
2: I know, I know. And so, but the funny thing was, it ma- it it made me realize that there is a there's a finiteness to life. You can't cram but so much into it, you know. And, and there is a, I feel like a Tesla, Glenn. That's yeah. been through like ten thousand cycles. It's yeah. like, even when I get a little bit of sleep, I'm like, I'm still feeling kind of, you know, nice. but, uh, but it was, a it was a busy week, but we're here, we're all, uh, accounted for, and it's, a it's going to be a good show. One of the things that I thought about this week, Glenn, as a result of one of my events, um, that was, I just mentioned on the calendar was the Tuesday was a mediation, mediation Yeah, Tuesday was mediation. We went and we're, we, you know, we do, uh, cases all over and sometimes that means a couple hours of driving and I'm okay with that a uh, couple hours of peace and quiet I say mm-hmm. Siri put me in focus mode and I get to think and there was something that happened at this mediation it was a good thing because I was thinking on the way back you know this was in a case uh and I don't talk about a lot of our cases but this one is topical and it, and it made me do a lot of thinking this week and I'll share it with you guys we were in mediation and it was mediation involving a a fine institution of higher learning here in the state and it was challenging the way the institution has been administering one of their programs okay. and in that mediation what came out and what's been the general position of that institution throughout this litigation has been hey the state regulation tells us that we have the authority to do this because in this particular state regulation related to this particular program that was at issue i don't want to get i don't want to get too far into the details for obvious reasons right um it says that the that the institution shall have the decision, the final authority to make this particular decision, and my point was, look, the regulations say that, yeah, but they're just state regulations. I mean, state regulations are kind of a mishmash; they're a little bit of they're a little bit whimsical. You know, if state federal regulations, you know, I. Let's take one more step back. I'm maybe going too far into the weeds. Regulations are implemented by the various executive branch agencies to implement legislation because the legislation that Congress or the General Assembly passes is generally not detailed enough to deal with every little thing that might happen. Okay, So agencies look at the legislation and they write regulations to implement. The legislation, So the regulations sort of expand on the actual law and give us more details about how government intends or plans to fo- enforce the laws that Congress enact or uh, that the General Assembly passes and the governor signs here in terms of state law in South Carolina. And, uh, you know, federal law, federal regulation is just, it's overwhelming. It's like hundreds of thousands of pages it, the Code of Federal Regulations, if you stacked it all, it'd probably be bigger than this building. You, we right. couldn't cram it all in this building. And so federal regulations are just Byzantine. They're overwhelming. They're, they're just so complex, they just boggle your mind, And it, it, for the most part. Most people just can't. you go into the Code of Federal Regulations, and you just get lost in a maze of text. State, fe- state regulations are kind of like, eh, it's much smaller, much more digestible state regulations are like eating at a family owned buffet restaurant that's struggling to get by. You never know what you're going to get, you know? <laughs> and so my point was to these folks in the mediation said, so look, just because the state regulation means this, it's not the final authority. And and in fact, if the, if the state regulation was the final authority, we wouldn't be having this discussion because you, your, your lawyers would have just said, Hey, the, the regulations say we get to make the decision game over, dismiss this case when well, they didn't do that. And, and uh, so my point was that this organization of higher learning didn't have absolute authority to make the decision. And so I made an example. I said, suppose, and when I was about to make this comment, Glenn, there's a little voice in the back of my brain said, danger, this comment is going to get you in trouble. Proceed with caution. But, but I asked you, I said, suppose, we don't often listen to that little voice, you know? No, we don't. You're right. And uh, I said, suppose the college just decided that for this particular program that Asian Americans... Or Asians, we're, we're, we're being too successful in the process, taking too many of the seats, and we're going to apply stricter scrutiny to Asians who are applying to, to participate in this program. And my point being is, and, I, and the reason I said that, Glenn, is there are two Supreme Court cases right now focusing on Asian-American pra- uh, policies related to a- admission of Asian-Americans and Asians to institutions of higher learning one case involving the university of north carolina those cases are now pending before the supreme court so i use that example to say look the courts will intervene right you don't get you don't have court carte blanche just to do whatever you want to so and the minute i said that the minute i asked that question i said what if y'all just decided to exclude asians on the grounds that asians are taking too many seats because that's currently what's being argued at the supreme court it's a real it's two cases that the supreme court has agreed to hear okay And that's why I said that. And she looked at me, one of the ladies who's a representative of the, of the, of the college in question, the, the institution of higher learning in question. She goes, that is so racist. I cannot believe you said that. I'll have you to know my second cousin three times removed was born in Shanghai. (laughs) And I'm, and she had a lovely voice, by the way, I'm doing my best. She had a lovely voice. And I thought, and I'm just like, ma'am, I didn't mean to be, I didn't mean to offend anybody. I said it's a it's a legitimate question. the The point of the question is not doesn't have anything to do with race, right. and I'm not accusing you of being a racist. I'm not accusing anybody of being a racist. The point is the college, in fact, can't do whatever it wants to do. Right. Every state agency, every quasi state agency, including our institutions of of higher learning, have to act within the bounds of constitutional law. But but it got me thinking, Glenn. When did we get to a point in this country? When you can't even ask a question about race, uh, touching on the subject of race without being labeled a racist. Right. I mean, she basically called me a racist right right there in the mediation. (laughs) Wow. And I thought to myself, you know, I read a tweet this this Uh. week by my friend Jared Dillion. and And he said, I thought about posting something about the difficulties men experience in the unfairness of divorce. But I thought if I posted that, I would get canceled. And I thought to myself... When did we get to the point in this country when a, when somebody like Jared Dillian can't post something about the unfairness of divorce or I can't ask a question in mediation of trying to resolve a legal matter as an attorney? I can't ask a question about race There's, without being labeled a
3: racist. It, it's not only that, but we can't question a lot of things. You know, we're supposed to not question male, female, gender. I keep, yeah. Help me out here. I mean, yeah, we're exactly. Not, we're not... So
2: we've been—I've been thinking about this this week. We're going to unpack it a little bit, but that's the setup. Yeah, I was basically wow. a, accused in a mediation of being a racist, which I'm not. But you did point out there is being viewed, listened to yeah. at the Supreme Court. Level. I said, "Lady," yeah. I said, "Lady," the reason I asked the question is because this very issue is being litigated, and if you tried the same thing, you would be litigated. Right. You can't do whatever you want to do just because a regulation says you get to make the decision. Yeah, you have to make it. Yes, you can make the decision, but you have to make it in a constitutional manner. You can't trample somebody's equal protection rights or their due process rights in making that decision. Yeah. So we'll talk a little bit more about that after the break. Folks, uh, I see a lot of you chiming in on the PCRXcomputers.com. We'll be right back after these words from our kind sponsors with more Saturday morning coffee. I'm Reese Boyd, that's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town. It's the
7: thrill that'll get you when you get show a picture on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone.
0: Saturday Morning Coffee. Call the show at 843 903 2945. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Returns after these on Talk 94.5. Saturday Morning Coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. Full hours on Talk 94.5.
2: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour at 738 on your Saturday morning. As promised, we're going to be joined in a few minutes by Drew McKissick, but I want to wrap this thought up real quick, Glenn. You know, I spent my time driving back from that mediation where I was, you know, effectively accused of being a racist. Um, she didn't actually, but more or less kind of did say it, I guess. I don't know. But I I, I was thinking on the way back uh, while... Uh, you know, Siri gave me some quiet time in focus mode. What is focus mode? We explain that real quick. If you're driving, if you have an Apple, I don't know you, just, you, I know. you just say Siri, put me in focus mode. I'm driving, and then people who text you will get an auto reply. Oh, basically, don't mode. bother me. I'm driving. Okay, not texting. I can't talk. You know, if you okay, you know. so
3: it's not like some type of music or something in the background. No, no, it's just okay. uh,
2: yeah, it's just. Focus. I mean, you can. I think you can program it actually to give you some background music if you want to. I don't know. That's crashing waves. I hadn't tried that, but uh, yeah, you can basically just set it to not be disturbed. Okay. And so you're driving, and I was thinking as I was driving back to uh, the beach, when did we get to this point when even within the confines of a confidential mediation, you can't mention race? You can't ask questions about race, that talk about racial issues. I I, don't, I just don't understand that. How can you get through these issues without talking about them, yeah. Glenn? I mean, and, and, and basically I was puzzled because for most of my adult life, my, my youth and my adult life, I felt like we made progress on the racial front. But it seems like for the last decade or so, certainly the last four years, maybe, yeah. and, and, and maybe, particularly yeah. the last three years, we've been backsliding incredibly quickly. Oh, yeah. We're not making progress at all. Yep. And so I, I, I was puzzling about that anyway. And so I, when I puzzle about something, I think about it. It makes me think. I do some research. And I found this little jewel I want to share with you all. This is a conversation between uh, folks, remember, Mike Wallace, I think mm-hmm. now passed, yeah. who was the, the 60 long, longtime 60 Minutes host. And, uh, you know, Morgan Freeman, the voice of God and mm-hmm. all those, uh, you know, uh, Jim Carrey movies. But listen to what they had to say. I think this clip is about 20 years old. But think about this discussion happening on network television 20 years ago.
0: Black History Month, you find ridiculous. Why? You're going to relegate my history to a month? Oh, come on. What do you do with yours? (laughs) Which month is White History Month? (laughs) Well, well, come on. Tell me. I'm Jewish. Okay. Which month is Jewish History Month? Uh, There isn't one. Oh. Oh. Why not? Do yeah. you want one? No, 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 I, I, no, no. I, no. I, I don't either. I don't want a Black History Month. Black History is American history. How are we going to get rid of racism and stop talking about it? I'm going to stop calling you a white man. Yeah, and I'm going to ask you to stop calling me a black man. I know you as Mike Wallace. You know me as Morgan Freeman. You want to say what I? I know this white guy named Mike Wallace. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. I mean, Glenn,
2: when yeah. is the last time you heard such distilled wisdom on the subject of race relations in this country, yeah. particularly on network television?
3: Yeah. Yeah, 60 Minutes was used to be a really good show. It used to be yeah. worth watching. Yeah, it really was. And think
2: about it. There's there's a couple of comments that just are just I want everybody to write this down. A couple of comments. He said black history is American American history. History. And that is so true. Is America perfect? No. But your history is my history and my history is your history. And it doesn't matter what color we are or where we came from. We share one history because we are Americans. And they can have, you know, Pacific Islander History Month and Jewish Islander (laughs) History Month and Jewish salami carving, roasting History Month and Black History Month. And they can have all the history months they want to have. But we have one American history. That is our history. We are a people. We are a culture for now. We're a society. And then it occurred to me, why are we not making progress on this issue? And and the other thing that was quite interesting revealing in that in that clip is when morgan freeman asked mike wallace if he wanted a jewish history month I go, oh no no i don't want one of those you know and i'm thinking to myself this is incredibly insightful my point glenn as i thought about this this week and i'm gonna i'm gonna get a little bit partisan here the the political parties of the left and the democratic party in particular have thrived maybe i should say survived they've survived over the last several decades over issues of division, issues that mm-hmm. divide us. They've divided people into camps and they've approached each individual camp and said, in order for your camp to get your camp's fair share, you need to vote Democratic. That's the Democratic strategy for the last 50 years. And I think we were making progress on these issues. We elected a black president, Glenn. Yeah. We elected him twice. Yeah. Give me a European country that's elected a black prime minister. And so, I think we were pretty close. And I didn't vote for Barack Obama. But in my mind, I thought, oh, my gosh, we've made progress. Yeah, we have. We're getting yeah. there. Yeah. When I, I listen to the I Have a Dream speech, and it says, I have a dream. One day, little children will be, will be treated based on the content of their character, not the color of their skin, Dr. Right. Martin Luther King. Yeah. I thought, oh, my gosh, we're getting close. And, and Morgan Freeman says, the best way to fix racism is to stop talking about it. Yeah. You stop treating me like a white guy. I stop treating you like a black guy. We just start treating each other like guys. Well, and and that, racism will go away, but we've gotten to a point where we obsess about it. Everything is about race, and that quarter pounder you buy for lunch at Burger King is somehow connected inherently to America's long and sordid history of institutional racism. Hmm. And the more we obsess about it,
3: the worse racism gets. Well, and that gives with this gender neutral, and that neutral, yeah, and that and that's that's is just, what's happening with that. Yeah. <laughs> you also get a ding
2: because it's not enough. Again, it's multiple camps. It's not yeah. just race. They've got to, it's everybody's in a camp. Yeah. And they've got to put the, the LGBTQ crowd in a camp, and the, and the African Americans, black people are in a camp, and the Pacific Islanders, they're in a camp, and the Jewish people, they're in a camp. All these camps. And they've got to cut a deal with each camp. That's the only way the Democratic Party survives. And then it occurred to me, we elected a black president, not once, but twice. And I thought to myself, as a rational human being, I'm like, oh my gosh, Dr. King would be so proud. Yeah. We're almost there. Yeah. What more can we do? We've yeah. had a black secretary of state. We've got a black president. we got
3: a black vice president now.
2: We've got a black vice president yeah. now. So we're almost there. Yeah. We're getting it
3: done. Yeah.
2: We're getting there. And what happened? The Democratic Party, Glenn, the left realized that, oh no, we don't survive Without these divisive issues, if we can't trade in divisive race, gender, gender orientation, and other identity-based politics, we don't survive.
3: Man.
2: Think about it. Yeah, The left and the Democratic Party doesn't survive without all that divisive crap. By the way, all that divisive crap, what is the ultimate aim of all that divisive crap? All that divisive crap is aimed at destroying the Constitution in the United States of America.
3: Right. Well, with the open borders. Yes. I mean, <laughs> That's divisive as can be, and it's not not a damn thing being done about it, not Uh, a thing.
2: And this is strictly unintentional, folks, (sighs) but what better lead-up could there be to a conversation with the chairman of the South Carolina Republican Party than what you just heard, and we'll get to it right after these words from our sponsors. We'll be right back with Drew McKissick, who is the chairman of the South Carolina Republican Party. I'm Reese Boyd. That is Dr. Glenn Dye. Do not leave town. We'll be right back.
0: local news and more the reese boyd radio hour is now two full hours more reese means more coffee coming up next on talk 94.5
2: hi everybody it's reese boyd your host for saturday morning coffee and we're here talking with scott pile of pile financial services scott why would folks be well served to contact pile financial services if they need assistance with their financial planning
6: Wrapping your wealth around your purpose is not just a slogan. It is the heart and soul of our firm. And how we do that is getting to know you and making sure you know your purpose. Then our keep more strategy is deployed. We want you to keep more so you can spend more. And then you can give more. And then one day you can leave more. And just this year, Pile Financial Services was recognized as the number one company in the country with our broker dealer out of Dallas, Texas.
2: It's Pile Financial Services. Reach them anytime at 843 945 4480 or find them online at pilefinancialservices.com. It's Powell Financial Services, aligning wealth with purpose.
5: Liz Calloway here for Conway Ford, your hometown dealership. Buying a vehicle is a big decision. You want honesty and a stress-free buying experience. That's exactly what you'll get from the Conway Ford family. Over 100 pre-owned vehicles in stock and new inventory arriving daily. We have something for everyone. Our buying experience is easier than our competitors, and we guarantee it. For the best buying experience, take the short drive to Conway Ford. We exceed expectations every day.
0: Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. Ready? Finger, we have the finger. One, like a, like a, like a two.
2: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee 750 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for sticking with us here on the show. Got an email this week from uh, South Carolina Party Chairman Drew McKissick advising me with something that I was not up to speed on, that there was a new election. There were a couple of election reform bills that had been making their way through uh, the General Assembly. And uh, apparently at the uh, last 11th hour, there's a few GOP senators trying to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Apparently, we were on the verge of getting a legislation passed that would do things like banning drop boxes, trimming the list of excuses, that one can use to participate in mail-in absentee balloting—a good thing—requiring that voters' last four digits of their Social Security number be on that mail-in absentee ballot when it is allowed. Another good thing to prevent uh, the fake, uh, you know, harvesting of ballots, and in fact to uh, make uh, barv- ballot harvesting uh, illegal. Also banning the county election commissions from receiving funds from third-party groups like the ACLU or Facebook. <laughs> Folks, that is incredibly important because uh, the left has, uh, has demonstrated already that they can move the needle in our society in a big way by finding these obscure ways to pour big money into pockets of civic life where big money doesn't normally get involved. And that is well demonstrated in uh, in the efforts of George Soros in the DA races around the country. Most DA races are typically sleepers. Well, now we've got a bunch of knuckleheads running DA offices and crime is going through the roof because they got involved. And they're doing the same thing in the election uh, area where they're, where they're finding ways to manipulate the election process by funding areas that typically are, are just mom and pop shoestring kind of deals so I uh, called Drew we talked about what was going on he's joining us here on the show to give us an update good morning Drew welcome to Saturday morning coffee
1: good
7: morning sir how are you
2: I'm doing well how are you this morning
7: well I'm uh, probably not as caffeinated as you are as you are but uh, as you point out I'm 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 a little unhappy it would be an extremely extremely polite way to put it after what we saw in the state senate this week
2: yeah uh, well, give us an update, kind of the, the, the big picture. so Because I, I got a feeling most folks sure. have no real clue what's going right. on. But give us kind of the big well, picture, and then we can get into the weeds a little bit if you want to.
7: All right. Well, the short answer to what happened on Friday is you know, we got all the way up to the goal line with election integrity reform. Uh, and the Senate just fumbled the ball uh, right at the goal line. I mean, they effectively poisoned uh, election integrity legislation to the point where it's now on life support. Uh, backing up just a little bit you know, 30,000 foot view, uh, going back to 2020, Democrats did here in South Carolina what they tried to do in other states, it, you know, brought lawsuits. There were three lawsuits, as a matter of fact, uh, to try to sue their way into all mail-in balloting and a bunch of other changes to our, you know, laws here in South Carolina, be a judicial you know, decree. Uh, and uh, we fought. Them. So South Carolina Republican Party intervened in all those cases. And at the end of the day, we fought them all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, and we won. We stopped them from making any changes to our election laws here in South Carolina. Uh, Those lawsuits were part of the problems that we saw uh, or that resulted in the problems that we saw in other states. Yeah. Okay. so fast forward after the election. Uh, I was appointed to the Republican National Committee's Ballot Integrity Commission with about 20 other state party officers from around the country. We looked at each state, what went right, what went wrong, uh, what needs to be fixed in this state versus that state. Is it legislative? Is it legal? You know, other other things and essentially put together a wish list. These are the things that we think we need to have more secure elections to make it easy to vote and hard to cheat. Uh, Here in South Carolina, we had a wish list of about 20 things that were on that list. This bill, or it was two bills together that were passed by the State House, but they were wrapped into one bill in the Senate, represent about 18 out of those 20 things. I mean, we got almost everything we wanted put into these bills. Speaker of the House Jay Lucas bent over backwards to work with us uh, to promote this. He sponsored both of the bills. Uh, we got them both through the state house. The first, about six weeks ago. The second one, about four weeks ago. Uh, and as you point out, do, they do a number of things. Uh, the first and most important thing that they do is more obscure, though. It provides and requires uniformity to how election laws are interpreted and applied and carried out in all 46 counties in South Carolina, which is currently not the case things can be done differently and are done differently in Horry County versus Pickens County. And, you know, as an attorney, you know, uh, that's an open invitation to an equal protection claim. If we had a, a close statewide election, now, fortunately, we don't have close statewide elections. we beat Democrats by healthy margins, but the point is, you know, never say never. Uh, and uh, uh, this is a, an issue of, you know, keeping our state from being taken over by lawyers at come election day and getting into the problems we saw in other states. Amen. Uh, it's, So it requires a uniformity, makes them all subject to the state election commission, which they're currently not. All these counties are like fiefdoms under themselves right now when it comes to election law. As you point out, it gets rid of drop boxes. It gets rid of third-party money. Uh, It eliminates ballot harvesting. It requires more stringent procedures for voter roll cleanup in each of the counties around the state. Uh, It makes provision for early voting. So we would have 12 days of early voting at about probably three designated locations around each county. It would have to be announced two weeks in advance, so no hide the ball of where the balloting is going to go on so we can do the poll watching. Uh, and um, uh, further, it then takes away the 30-day we saw in-person absentee. You know, hey, 30 days after the election, you can walk down to the election commission and you can go vote in-person absentee, which was basically it was early voting was what it amounted to. Yeah, uh, That goes away. So you have the in-person locations that I just described, uh, the mail-in balloting excuses get reduced, and then it gets more secure, as you point out. It has four digits of your social, but also the witness signature on the mail-in absentee ballot is no longer just a witness signature. As you and I both know, you know, when you sign your name nowadays, who can read it and yeah. make out if it's your signature? It means nothing. Underneath means... you have to, Yeah, uh, That's right. Uh, underneath, you have to print your name, and underneath that, you have to put your address so they can check who's doing the witnessing. And, again, it limits how many ballots you can witness to prohib- prohibit ballot harvesting. Uh, all these measures were wrapped into these bills, put forward by the Speaker, passed the House, one of which, by the way, passed the House unanimously. Now think about that for a minute, okay? Oh my goodness. Well, I, 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 I was
2: just thinking to the back of my brain as you were saying that. Uh, who could possibly, Drew, argue with anything that you just said? I mean, I know people will. I mean, it's a facetious comment, but who certainly anybody listening yeah. to this show would not argue with anything that you just said.
7: So we got those things passed. We got them over into the Senate, went to the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, they basically combined them into one bill. And then a problem happened. Uh, the Senate leadership pushed an amendment to require uh, that all the Election Commission members had to be subject to uh, senatorial advice and consent proof. Now, right now, the governor gets to appoint all of the members of the commission. There are five members. The governor appoints all of them, uh, and he doesn't have to consult the Senate on appointing it, okay? Now, I can sit here and be agnostic on advice and consent. Some boards and commissions require it in our in our government here in South Carolina. Some don't. That's beside the point because a year ago, the Senate tried the same thing on the first version of House Bill 3444, which was the uniformity bill I described here. The House passed it a year ago, Senate to the Senate. The Senate put this same condition on it and sent it back to the House, and the House changed it, took it off, and sent it back to the Senate. The Senate knew the House was not going to take this, and Henry's publicly said he's not going to take this. That's two out of three players here who said that that's a non-starter, okay? We get all the way up to the goal line with these bills sitting in the Senate that I just described that do all these great things, and at the last minute, they put this condition back on and send it back over to the House, knowing that the governor and the House had said that they would not do it. Yeah. OK, 95 percent of everything else in this bill, everybody agrees on. And the Senate put a needless poison pill in there. And from the from the floor, you had senators saying, well, the House and the governor are up for reelection this year. They'll go along with it. and smiling because they're not on the ballot this year. And I'd bet you five bucks right now, however much coffee you can drink on a Saturday. If the Senate was up a for re-election lot. this year, they yeah. would not have done we that. We would not
2: be having this discussion.
7: That is exactly right.
2: So, uh, Drew, I tell you what, we got to go to a hard break, but I suspect you'd like to make a couple more comments on this. Can you hang with us through a news break?
3: Absolutely. All right, right. Well, we Get are, that other cup of coffee, buddy. Get
2: yourself another cup of coffee, and we'll be right back after <laughs> these words from our sponsors and a news break, folks. It's Saturday Morning Coffee. We're talking to Drew McKissick, and we'll be right back. Stick with us.
1: Like a big
0: WTKN Merle's Inlet Myrtle Beach Liz Calloway with Nick Summers weekday mornings at six on talk 94.5 you're listening to the Reese Boyd radio hour Saturday morning coffee on talk 94.5
2: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It's 8.08 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us here on Saturday Morning Coffee. Talking this morning to Drew McKissick. Drew is the chairman of the South Carolina Republican Party. We've been talking this morning about efforts in the General Assembly to pass election integrity reform legislation here in South Carolina. Everybody at the table was pretty much in agreement until the 11th hour when a poison pill. Well, we've been hearing a lot about poison pills lately, Drew. So bring us up to date. Where are we now? Yeah. And thanks again for joining us here on Saturday Morning sure. Coffee.
7: Sure. So uh, at this point, uh, I, the, the best way to put it is this thing is totally, completely all life support. Uh, and it is up to the senators. It's up to senators who have, in my opinion, got a little bit more common sense here uh, to be able to understand they need to go back. And, you know, as my grandma would say, lick your candy over again. Uh, they can go back uh, and uh, either take up a different bill, which currently, you know, has already previously, as they say, passed the House. So it's made the crossover date and they can gut it and they can stuff it with, you know, uh, uh, the guts of this bill. Uh, taking out that poison pill amendment, and they can send it over to the House. And the House will take it, and the governor will sign it. I've talked to the leaders on the House side, the speaker himself. I've talked to the governor about this. Uh, they're ready. Uh, the Senate just has to fix the problem. Uh, and that comes back, quite frankly, right now down to the Senate leader. Senate leader is the one who yeah. drugged so many of his caucus uh, over to his side to propose this. <laughs> In the end of the day, we put forward a compromise. Uh, that would say, okay, the governor continues to get to appoint the election commission as he does right now, but let's give the Senate advice and consent over the director of the election commission, yeah. which is something they currently don't have. So the Senate got something it wouldn't, it doesn't have. The governor didn't lose anything that he does have. You know, that's a compromise. He rejected that out of hand, and he strong-armed other members of the Republican caucus into opposing it. The Democrats were virtually unanimous in opposing it, and then we are where we are now. So let me, let uh, you me need see. To call your Senate. Yeah, let me Go see ahead.
2: if let me see if I can put it this way, uh, Drew, and tell me if I'm if I'm right because obviously I'm a little late to the party. I've not been following. I mean, I knew these bills were percolating through the House and Senate. Uh, on one side of the scale, you got banning drop boxes, uh, authenticated witnessing for absentee balloting, limiting the excuses for mm-hmm. absentee balloting, limiting the number of ballots you can witness, prohibiting. Um, Third-party money from coming in, all those, all these things requiring um, the last four digits of a social to be attached to right. uh, an absentee. All these great ideas, uh, making ballot harvesting yep. illegal, and, and the third-party money is a huge deal. So you got all that on one yep. side of the scale, and on the other side of the scale, yep. we've got the, the Senate wants to be more powerful.
7: Yes, that's the bottom line. That's what this comes down to. Oh my gosh! That, and if we want to just be blunt about it, you know, Reese, uh, there are some personal ego. Uh, oh, sure. Things going on here. Oh, my goodness. Shocker. Politics and ego. You know, and it's personal. Yeah. Nobody gets in politics without a little bit of an ego. Sure. I understand that. But you yeah. know, some people get double dipped, and this is a problem right now. But here's the thing they need to understand this bill, this subject, has been the South Carolina Republican Party's number one top legislative priority now for two sessions of the General Assembly. We passed multiple resolutions about it, we've sent them to them. We've sat down in multiple, multiple meetings with legislators to craft this legislation. They all knew where we were. They know where the grassroots of our party is. And they did this at the last minute thinking, well, hey, the House is up for re-election this year. They're bluffing. They'll take this. The governor will take this. He's on the ballot, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Uh, it, it, look, this is not why South Carolina Republicans did all the work to turn out and elect the biggest Republican majority in 140 years. So but Simple.
2: So real, real quick, Drew, what can folks do? How can, they, how can they learn more, and what can they do to help?
7: Yep. The main thing you need to do right now over the weekend up until Tuesday when they come back in the session, quite frankly, is to call your state senator. Tell them they need to go back and fix this to where it's acceptable to the House uh, and we can get this bill passed uh, because uh, otherwise no bill passes. Uh, the Senate has got to give on this. Again, 95% of everything else in this bill everybody agrees with. They need to take out the one thing that is keeping this bill from getting passed. They can fix it. If you got 25 senators who want to paint the sky pink, they can do it. They can get together and pass a bill to do it. That's all it takes. They need 25 of them to agree to fix this. So call your senator, tell them to get serious about it, uh, and fix this next week.
2: Sounds great. Drew, always a pleasure to hear from you. It's Drew McKissick, folks, chairman of the South Carolina Republican Party. And, uh, Drew, feel free to come back on the show anytime and uh, keep us up to date on how this works out.
7: Absolutely. Thank you, Reese. Y'all have a great one.
2: Okay, folks, it's uh, Drew McKissick, chairman of the South Carolina Republican Party. And right after these words from our sponsors, we'll be right back with more Saturday Morning Coffee. We're going to be talking to Paul Renner, who is a member of the Florida House of Representatives is going to be talking to us about the Disney kerfuffle between uh, the state uh, of Florida and the institution that is the Walt Disney Company. So stick with us. We'll be right back with more Saturday Morning Coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave
0: town. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese coming up next on Talk 94.5. Thanks for waking up with Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5.
2: Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, 817 on your Saturday morning. Folks, you can't uh, turn on the news or your television or wherever you source your information, uh, wherever you get your data, your info. You can't really do much of any of that lately without hearing about the state of Florida, Governor DeSantis and the Walt Disney companies. This from the Wall Street Journal about a week ago. It says when Wall Street, Wall Street. When Walt Disney, excuse me, company chief executive Bob Chapek, explained in his decision to stay silent on Florida's parental rights and education bill, he told employees in March in a March letter that he did not want Disney to become a political football. Hmm. A little late now, buddy. <laughs> yeah, how's that worked out, mm-hmm. uh, Glenn? More than uh, many weeks later, Disney has become uh, nowhere. Uh, has become a political football, and nowhere more than in the Sunshine State. Some Republican lawmakers in Florida threatening to end a special tax district that has allowed Walt Disney to basically be a self-governing uh, enterprise. Members of Congress have called for Disney to be stripped of its original Mickey Mouse copyright. Mm-hmm. Now that would that would ha- certainly have some interesting implications.
3: Oh no! Oh
2: no! Since Disney and said that it would fight to repeal the Florida law, politicians have been campaigning for re on promises to stand up to Disney and other woke corporations that they say, are promoting messages and taking stands that put them out of step with Florida parents and voters. Fans and park workers opposed to Disney's stance. Bear with me. To Disney's stance, ...protested outside the company's headquarters this month, and others have used social media to call for boycotts against Disney's products, including its flagship streaming service, Disney+. Plus. Mr. Ch- Chappick and Disney stayed silent on the bill until after the Florida State Legislature voted for it on March 8th. Soon after the vote, Mr. Chappick moved quickly to reassure angry employees who criticized the company for not taking a stand. Later, the company said the bill should never have been passed and vowed to fight other bills like it in other states. The Florida bill prohibits gender identity and sexual orientation for school children uh, uh, or for sexual orientation as being a topic of instruction from uh, kindergarten and up through grade three and limits it for older students to material that is age appropriate. President Biden in his infinite wisdom, has condemned the bill as, quote, hateful toward LGBT communities. And interestingly enough, folks, not only has it become a political football, but this is uh, this week, just a couple of days ago in the Florida legislature, when the bill was passed, this is what happened. Now, folks, I've worked in government. I've been to some basically contested uh, matters in the legislature here in South Carolina. But this was just a couple of days ago in the Florida General Assembly. And the sounds that you hear are taken directly from the legislative chamber while the Florida House attempts to conduct its business. And you'll hear in the background screams, shouts, chants, etc. Those are from protesters who are inside the gallery of the House. This is about a minute and a half, a little on the long side, but take a listen. This is the Florida House of uh, Representatives just a couple of days ago
4: that we will be able to proceed civilly and with
6: decorum and with respect for one another read the next bill by Senator Bradley Senate Bill 4C a bill to be entitled an act relating to independent special districts
3: wow they don't sound very yeah. ruly
2: I think that was bleeped for pro- profanity yeah.
4: Representative Fine you're recognized to explain your bill uh, Thank you, Mr. Speaker. It seems as Mickey and Minnie have joined us in the chamber today. said, uh, this <laughs> yeah. is the bill that we discuss.
2: Minnie and Mickey in the chamber.
4: Members, we will either go into structured debate or we will call the previous question. Oh, Representative Brenner, you're recognized for a motion. Mr. Speaker, I move the previous question on the bill. Representative Brenner moves the previous question on the bill. This motion is not debatable and requires a majority vote. All in favor, say aye. All opposed, no. Wow. Show the bill, show if motion passes. We will now proceed to call the previous question. Wow. The, 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 the clerk will unlock the machine, and members will proceed to vote on Senate Bill 4C. Have all members voted? Have all members voted? Clerk will lock the machine, announce a vote. 70 days, 38 days. So the bill passes.
2: So the bill passed, and that was uh, that you heard Representative Renner call the question. That is our next guest here on the show. That's what passes for debate uh, with leftists in modern political America, Glenn. That's that's, uh, civil discourse. Just FYI, you might need you might need some translation there So uh, the representative that moved the question on that bill And uh, you sub- subsequently heard the vote that, that uh, passed And that bill votes to revoke Disney's special governing status Basically, Disney for decades now has been an autonomous entity within um, the state of Florida mm-hmm. And it's no longer because you just heard that uh, the bill was revoked So that uh, representative is now with us here on the line Paul Renner is is a Republican politician, currently serves as a member of the Florida House of Representatives, representing the 24th district, which includes Flagler County, St. John's County, Putnam County, and Northern Volusia County. Since 2015, Paul Renner, among other distinctions, is a graduate of Davidson College, where your humble host met him a few years ago. So, and he joins us, kind enough to join us here on the program today. Good morning. I'm going to call you Paul. Good morning, Paul. How are you?
4: Good morning, guys. Good morning.
2: Thanks for uh, thanks for sticking with us here. Uh, we're running a little behind. Thanks for sticking with us here on the show. So we, I assume you heard the clip that we played.
4: I did. Yeah, yeah. sure. So what? I, I've heard. I've heard it uh, in, alive.
2: <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, I, I, obviously you, you were there. And so, what's it like uh, in in the state house right now in Florida? What's it like trying to conduct business?
4: Well, I think first off, this this is just part of a much larger discussion about uh, a very small, I believe, small. Uh, a band of professional bullies who believe that uh, their way is the only way and everybody else's voice and everybody else's opinion uh, deserves to be silenced. And that's what brought Disney to the precipice of caving in to the professional bullies in their company who were not in Florida, but from California dictating what Florida uh, citizens can and can't enact by way of their laws, totally misrepresenting what that law did. As you noted earlier, It was branded the don't-say-gay bill, even though it doesn't say that word or or address that issue anywhere in the bill. So, you know, they have narratives that are built on fabrication, and then someone, no less than the President of the United States, repeats it. So this is where the left is and what they've substituted in place of real substantive debate. Not that something doesn't work, not that there are factual objections to it, but simply fabrication that the media repeats over and over and over again. And so... That uh, background led us to look at a uh, number of special districts that after the 1968 Constitution were never re-ratified. We've got about 1,700 of them, and all but about six uh, were you know reauthorized subsequent to the 1968 Constitution. And as it uh, happened, a happy coincidence, Reedy Creek was not one of those. And so they've been operating under this cloud since then. and, and, and Reedy, they, Reedy uh, Creek
2: Reedy Creek is the Disney World district, correct?
4: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So they have a special district, which think of it as a private county uh, of their own that is not subject to any city or county's um, authority. And that was the condition they had back in 1967 to come into Florida when Florida was, you know, 6 million people. Orlando was a little over 200,000 people. We're now 22 million. It was a very different time, and that area of Disney was wilderness. Uh, And so it gave us an opportunity to kind of take a look at uh, not not only that special district, but others. And I think we'll expand that. My, my intention is to expand that uh, as we go into the next session to look at all special districts, because um, sometimes these things are created, in this case, 55 years ago, and we never go back to revisit whether whether they still are justified. given present circumstances. And so we teed up two bills. One uh, was to remove an exemption that they had been given in our our bill against big tech and deplatforming, because they've basically had most favored nation status as our biggest private employer. And so um, they they have had a a good relationship in the past. And and so we revisited that, took out that exemption in one of our bills. But the other bill addressed these these, uh, special districts that had not been reauthorized and simply said, we're going to sunset them June 1st of next year, uh, barring, barring some uh, agreement to uh, modify them rather than just let them die. And so that's what the bills do, and, and we pass both, the House and Senate. It's going to the governor, who will obviously sign it. And, and so by June 1st of next year, Reedy Creek will or will not exist. Uh, and I can tell you for certain that it will not exist in its current form. I mean, they can do things as broad as building their own nuclear power plant, without any referendum or any vote by a city council or county commission. So needless to say this was overdue for us to revisit on on policy grounds.
2: Yeah. It it seems like as you said, when in the sixties or the fifties, whenever this was originally contemplated and that part of Florida was, was basically swampland wilderness, this may be Made sense, but now you've not. You don't just have Disney. You've got Universal. You've got Sea World. You've got you know dozens of theme parks that are uh, you know coexisting with Disney there in and around Orlando. And Disney is not the only game in town. And they they've they've lived for decades with these you know, with special treatment. It seems.
4: That's right. Yeah, Universal is about to double in size, and they are they will have a do have, and will have an even larger footprint that rivals Disney, yet they have to abide by the same rules that every other private company in the state of Florida does, but not Disney. They have this own, you know, this Reedy Creek Special Improvement District that they uh, can do really whatever they want, essentially. Yeah. So it, it will be revisited uh, over the coming months. Uh, and as I said, if nothing happens legislatively, they will cease to exist and their assets will be transferred over to the respective counties. Uh, and the responsibilities for those areas uh, will transfer over, uh, come June 1st of next year.
2: Yeah, and I want to go back to the bill, Paul, and I don't know, I'd be curious what you think about this. It seems to me that what conservatives and Republicans in Florida are doing is is nothing more than what the left has been doing for decades, which is pushing a a social agenda, and and we're not really pushing a radical agenda, but we're pushing a social perspective in the legislative halls, which is where they should be advanced, it, it, this kind of stuff should be sorted out in the legislatures, not in the courts, in my opinion, and and y'all are doing exactly what conservative legislators should do, which is telling the teachers of the public schools of Florida, don't talk to our kindergartners about sex and sexual orientation. I, I can't imagine that we are in a place where that is controversial.
4: Right. Yeah. And, you know, the Palm Beach County schools uh, have in their resources and you know what they, teachers can use something called the gender bread man. So it's a picture of a, gen, a gingerbread man huh. with little, you know, descriptions of how gender is all in your mind and whatever you want it to be is what your gender is. And this is being pushed on kids in, in obviously in kindergarten uh, through third grade. Uh, it's about the creepiest thing I've ever seen, and, and, and we're just not going to have it. And so you you have a very, very aggressive push. Um, and somebody, I think, said it best. You know, we've gone from stay out of my bedroom to y- your kid has to listen to what I do in the bedroom. And it, yeah. that just is not what needs to be discussed in, in our elementary school. We have in Florida, uh, I think, 46 percent of our students that don't read on grade level by the third grade. We shouldn't spend one single minute talking about these other extraneous things when our kids can't read. And, and so this is a, it, it's, a it's a wake up call for everybody.
3: Yeah. Or, or race, uh, the gov- governor has signed a bill to limit discussion of race as well.
4: So yes, we've already passed that bill as well, which essentially says you can't condemn my kid based on the color of her skin right. or her gender yeah. or anything else. I mean, it is a pro is is grounded in universal American values that everybody from Ronald Reagan to Martin Luther King would applaud, which is we judge people by the by their actions, not by the uh, color, of their, color skin. of their skin or their gender or anything else, yeah. um, that you can't condemn somebody. And it goes to, you know, identity politics, it goes to race essentialism, all of these things where people are being taught that they are somehow morally inferior because of who they are. And that's what we've fought a civil war to overcome. That's what we fought, civil rights to overcome. So this is something that would reject even what Martin Luther King stood for, what the Declaration of Independence stands for. It is a very, very radical uh, viewpoint. And the simple solution is to it uh, that Bob Chapek should have taken is one word in the English language, and that is no. Mm -hmm. As soon as you say no, as Ron DeSantis and the Florida legislature did, they run. They run for cover. And and when people start looking at actual facts, they realize that they're being, they're promoting a lie. Yeah. Uh, in the case of this, you know, alleged "don't say gay" bill that didn't say that.
1: Yeah.
3: I and love. So that. we
4: just need to continue to stay strong.
3: Yeah, amen. I love the line that DeSantis said: "We will not use your tax dollars to teach our kids to hate this country or to hate each other."
2: Yeah, exactly. Ding, yeah. I mean, that's great. <laughs> amen. You know, and one thing I thought about Paul is, you were talking about a very uh, young set of kids, uh, kindergarten. Uh, first, second, third grade, who clearly, clearly on any on any standard that you can imagine, uh, do not need to be sexualized at that age because they're not. It's not on their radar. They don't care yeah. about this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, as I thought about it, I don't know that I want a public school teaching talking to my kids about these subjects at any age, frankly, at all, at yeah. all. Yeah. yeah, teach them how to read, teach them how to write, and and otherwise leave them alone. Teach them teach them how to do algebra, trigonometry, the things that they need to know, and leave this other stuff for other. Places, the family, the church, wherever, you know.
4: Well, there's a, there's a belief I think mean, coming out of the universities in, in these in these education activists, I'll call them, that that they should really replace parents. They should replace families. That everything everything uh, that is discussed with children should be discussed by them, and they should uh, decide what value should be imparted to your children. And that's outrageous. And so we are we are continuing uh, with a lot of. Uh, False narrative by the media that we come, have come to expect. We're continuing to push back. You saw in our math textbooks, they're even putting this woke ideology into our math textbooks. And so we've we've uh, scoured those, and, and our Department of Education has eliminated some textbooks from from being used in our schools that use math of all things to try to to try to teach woke ideology. Mm, and so again, you know, yeah, until your kids can read and write and understand math. All of that stuff, at any point, really, but all of that stuff needs to be off the table. You yep. need to yep. focus on education, and putting education back in education is what Florida is intent on doing.
2: Amen to that. Paul, we didn't have that well, listen,
3: when we were kids. Look how well we turned
4: out.
2: Yeah, look how we turned out. Paul, thanks for joining <laughs> us here on the show. Thanks for giving us some first-person expected, perspective on what's happening in Florida. And listen, come back on the show anytime. We, we enjoy talking to you.
4: Yeah. Thanks guys.
2: Take care. Folks, it's Paul Renner with the South Carolina uh, South Carolina. With the Florida House of Representatives. And we'll be right back after these messages with somebody who would like to join the South Carolina House of Representatives. It's foul guest joining us here on Saturday morning coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town.
0: 798-TALK. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. On Talk 94.5.
2: Hi everybody, it's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, and we're here today talking with Scott Pyle of Pyle Financial
6: Services. Reese. pamela and i have always cherished that we get to live on the coast of south carolina what a privilege it is to serve our friends and neighbors along the grand strand and beyond with clients in 27 states and just this year pile financial services was recognized as the number one company in the country with our broker dealer out of dallas texas As we look to celebrate and ring in the new year, now is the time to review your financial relationships. 2022 could be a year of much volatility with elections, midterms, and potential tax law changes. If you don't have an advisor you trust, call Pile Financial Services at 843-945-4480
2: or find them online at pilefinancialservices.com. It's Pile Financial Services, aligning wealth with purpose.
0: The Reese Boyd Radio Hour, two full hours on Talk 94.5.
2: She left me without warning. Good morning, folks. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee 839 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us, sticking with us here on Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hours. Have it uh recognized many of you checking in this morning on the PCRXcomputers.com text line. Kevin, the X-ray guy checking in. Cadillac Gary, Larry Biddle, Dave. Andy Thompson, Andy the bass player, Tim Card the car detail guy. A lot of you checking in with some great comments uh, this morning. Johnny, the Virginia gentleman. Haven't talked to the Virginia gentleman in a while. Uh, good morning, Kenny the equipment guy. A lot of you checking in this morning. Thanks so much for all your comments and for listening to Saturday Morning Coffee. Always fun to be with you on Saturday morning. So what great fun I had talking to Paul Renner. What a yeah, you know, what good a, guy. He's a great guy. I've known him for many years.
3: Why weren't those people
2: thrown out of the chamber? I, that was one question that I yeah. wanted to get to. We got, you know, we didn't get to it. Um, you know, had a lot to cover. But I can't imagine that they just let those people run yeah. wild in the, in the legislative chamber yeah. like that. I it mean, was, like,
3: you're out of here.
2: And you, and you guys just heard the audio, the videos. I mean, yeah. it's just unbelievable. So yeah. speaking of legislative chambers, we are now joined here in the studio by someone who strives or intends to become a member of our own General Assembly, the South Carolina House of Representatives, wants to replace Representative Russell Fry, who is not running for re-election, running for Congress, of course. This is uh, our one and only my friend Val Guest. Val is an attorney here in Myrtle Beach and has practiced for quite a few years and has decided to pick up the political baton. Val, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning reese thanks for having me yes sir it's always uh, great fun we encourage folks to uh, who are running for office to come in and talk to us and, and of course invited you on the program and thank you for making time for us i admire anybody that has the courage to put their name on a political ballot because uh or an election ballot because that val in my opinion is what it's all about people who do other things whether you're a lawyer a doctor a farmer uh, a truck driver whatever you do uh, taking time out from the routines of life that we all get into to serve and doing it for the right reasons and not uh not to you know for self aggrandizing or ego and not for self-enrichment but for just to do it for the right reasons and to help make uh south carolina greater and to make america greater and all those things that need to be done so what uh, tell us tell folks who may not know you tell folks uh, uh briefly about your bio what's, your, what's sure. your
8: story um reese i've been here since uh I graduated from law school in 1989. I worked for a judge for a year. Uh, then I moved here in 1991 to work in the solicitor's office. Oh. I spent five years as a prosecutor. I started with um, in family court doing juveniles and moved on up and tried everything from a driving under suspension to a murder case. Oh. Uh, after that, uh, I decided to go out into private practice I've been in private practice since 1996 I've been with our present firm since 2000 um, and I can't agree more with your statement about uh, doing this to serve the people of our great state uh, I grew up most of my life up in Greenville South Carolina um, and um, I've seen this state go grow and grow and grow and I decided to uh, get off the sidelines and get into this and you know, you hear people all the time talking about this is bad, this is bad, but they don't do anything about it, and I just decided it's time to uh, get in there and, and try to make a difference.
2: Amen. Well, uh, we thank you for being willing to serve. And tell, uh, family, are you married? Children? I am married. I, uh, I should have said that. First off, yeah, I, don't want, I, don't, I don't I don't want to get you in
8: trouble. I, I, <laughs> no, but I, uh, I was blessed. I, I met my wife when we were in law school, and she's an attorney here in Myrtle Beach, Um. Her name is Jeannie, and I have two wonderful daughters, Anna Marie and Mary DeVal. Uh, Anna Marie went to Furman University, graduated, and it just got married last November. Is living up in Simpsonville uh, with her husband. And my uh, youngest daughter, Mary DeVal, uh, graduated from Clemson, got her master's in accounting at Clemson, and is now working in Charlotte, North Carolina.
2: Wow. So you've raised, you've raised some good, smart kids. They take after their mom uh, <laughs> you'll uh, she will uh, i'll get you out of the i'll get you out of the uh the deep well uh I, she'll you'll you'll appreciate this when i enrolled at usc a law one of the first lectures i heard the professor said this was a female professor at the law school she said i'm going to tell you all something that you need to remember she said if you get married you got about a 50 50 shot of not getting divorced but if you marry another lawyer she said, basically, your odds, were, you were a long shot. You weren't going to make it. And so she's, her message was, you're, you're, the first lesson you're going to learn at USC Law School is don't marry another lawyer. So you guys have overcome the odds, and uh, and you made it, and you've raised some great kids. So uh, congratulations on that. So what um what would be, what do you think is our, what are our greatest needs here in O'Ree County? What do we need in the legislature, and and what will be your priorities if you get elected? I know that's a lot to unpack, so. Take it however well, let you me want to go take. through this as yeah. best I can, and yeah.
8: if you have any questions, just go ahead and ask. But um, you know, we live in in one of the greatest areas in our state, and when you sit here and look, going from uh, North Myrtle Beach all the way down to Myrtle's Inlet, which is here in Worry County, what a great resource we have living on the ocean, having the inlet, uh, and we have to preserve that, and uh, we also provide a lion's share of our budget to the state, uh, through taxes, through, uh, tourism. Yeah. And I don't believe we get our fair share back, uh, from Columbia. Um, we have been growing. We picked up a seat, uh, I believe in the house, uh, with the redistricting. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully we can bond together and the, the members of, uh, the, our, uh, delegation yeah. can and- work.
2: And that's, that's actually, let me interrupt you one second. That's sure. an important question. You're going to represent 106, which is Russell Fry, if you're elected. Correct. 106. Um, and that's all within Oree County, mostly Surfside.
8: It is. It, it, it's it's funny. Um, I wasn't in the district. Yeah. Uh, until I did the uh, That was going to be my question. I, yes. Because
2: I, I, redistricting impacted 106.
8: It brought me into the district. Yeah. I, I used to be in the district that Case Britton has now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but with the redistricting, they moved the northern part of the line from, from 544 all the way up to basically uh, the uh, air base. It doesn't include Market Common, but it does include uh, that part coming south. So it brought in my neighborhood. I live in a, a neighborhood called Prestwick, right yeah. on 544. Oh, yeah. And that brought me into the district.
2: Okay. Um, so just want to clear that up. So, but back so, to back to what we need and what your priorities will be.
8: So, and and, and I think we, we, we have a strong delegation, I believe. We yeah. have a, a, a fairly young delegation that if we work together, I think we can bring more of the funds back to our area mm-hmm. for the things that are important. I think our infrastructure needs to be maintained and improved. Yeah, um, certainly. I mean, on Saturdays when people are coming in from out of state and they have to sit in line. It's it's unfortunate, but, it, you know, that's what we have. Yeah. But during the week when you're driving around and can't get from place to place, that's a problem. Yeah. yeah. So we need to improve our road systems. We need to keep the roads that we have in good shape. I mean, yeah. there's some roads that are just awful.
2: You know, a few years ago, they entered. They increased the gas tax that we paid. You know, we're on a gas tax holiday now that gas is through the roof. And I, was, I, w- I did not really support that because I was concerned that it wouldn't make a huge difference in road quality. And I don't, think, I don't know that those funds have really made a difference. I don't know that they've been well spent. I, I haven't seen a lot of that myself. Yeah. So, uh, so we're going to take a quick break with sure. some uh, obscene profit timeouts. Can you stick with us? Oh, yeah. All right. Very good, folks. We're talking to Val Guest, who is running for the South Carolina State House of Representatives. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more of that interview. Stick with us. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town.
1: Faster than the sun.
0: Down to the banks on an old U car. Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. And more coming up next on Talk 94.5. Are you ready for magic beyond your belief,
5: comedy with spectacular dancing, grand illusions, beautiful assistance, and Broadway-style lighting and sound? Then you need to get to Charles Box Wonders Theater at Broadway at the beach. My
1: family can't stop talking about The Wonder Show.
5: Charles Box Wonders Show is every Tuesday night and Thursday through Saturday nights at 7 o'clock, plus a matinee at 4 on Sunday. Hey, this is Charles Bach, and I can't wait to see you at The Wonder Show for a magical experience. And right after The Wonder Show at 9 p.m., join master hypnotist Steve Falcon for The Adult comedy hypnosis show a rapid fire mind-boggling comedy experience with stunning feats of mentalism and naughty adult fun
1: this is one of the best hypnosis shows i've seen i could not stop laughing
5: bring your friends and join me steve falcon at the wonders theater for a night of comedy you won't soon forget go to WondersTickets.com to see charles bach's wonders show and steve falcon's adult comedy hypnosis hour that's WondersTickets.com and use the special discount code radio get
0: your tickets now Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours, full hours on Talk 94.5.
2: Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee. It's 8.51 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for sticking with us. You've made it to the Parting Wisdom segment of Saturday Morning Coffee, and we're still joined here in the studio by special guest Val Guest. Val is running for the South Carolina State House of Representatives to replace our own Russell Fry. So Val, you got here on your uh, walking your walking card that you are handing out. By the way, no substitute for door to door knocking on doors and meeting people. That's oh. all. That's been my experience. Not that I've won any elections, but that's been my experience. <laughs> I'll be uh, out there this morning. Sorry, yeah, yeah that was yeah. funny. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Uh, you can have that one. Uh, but you got public safety. We've talked about infrastructure. You've got public safety, economic development, also priorities on your list. What? What? Anything you want to say about those two items?
8: Well, I mean. With the growth that we've got, we've got to continue to uh, fund our police and fire. Yeah. And yeah. and I guess I would also add that we need to also fund our teaching. Um, yeah. With the community that we have, uh, we need to continue to prepare to continue to grow. Um, and if we don't have these things in place and good people in these places, we're setting ourselves up to fail.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Val, thanks for... Uh, Offering yourself up for service it takes courage and uh, a lot of a lot of fortitude, so I admire you, and good luck with it. Come back on the show anytime. Let us know how it's going. If folks want to get in touch with your campaign, I see you've got a website, valguestforstatehouse.com, so I encourage people to check that out. Uh, how else can folks get in touch with you?
8: Uh, they can reach me at my uh, phone on 843-222-4131, and... Um I will be more than happy to talk to anybody about anything, uh, just to answer any questions and let them know who I am.
2: Very good, mm-hmm. folks. It's Val Guest running for, for state house on the south end of the county, district one oh six. Thanks, Val. Good luck. Let us let us know how you're doing and keep in touch.
8: Thanks, Reese. Yes, sir. Appreciate it,
2: folks. It is the parting wisdom segment of Saturday morning coffee in the few minutes that we do have left. I wanted to share something with you. You know, I come on the show about once a week for. Uh, Liz Calloway. I joined her here in the studio. And one thing she said this week that caught my attention. And and listen, I love Liz. If y'all listen to our show, particularly the segments that we do together on Friday, uh, y'all know this is true. I love love, uh, Liz. I love Liz's show. And about 95% of the time, I agree with basically whatever she says. And a lot of my show, I always joke with Liz, a lot of my show prep is done on uh, Friday mornings sitting with her Talking over what what are the issues of the week that they've talked about on the on the Liz Callaway Morning Show, and but one thing she said this week that caught my attention was they were having a discussion Liz and Nick about fathers, and and Nick said something about the importance of fathers, and Liz said something about not necessarily agreeing with him to the extent that he made his comments, and really taking some a little bit of pushback on the, in the sense of valuing what uh, single mothers and the accomplishments of single mothers and, and all that mothers accomplish. And it reminded me of a book that I read, and I will say that this is an issue. And this is no, listen, my hat is off to the single mothers who have raised successful and and, 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 and happy, well-adjusted children. And there are millions of those families out there, and we don't take a thing away from them. But the point of fact is it's just as there is a gender, there is biological uh implications, uh, or there there are uh, implications from the biologically, the way we were put together. Creating a child takes a man and a woman <laughs> to cooperate, uh, to do a physical thing, to bring together a couple of uh, a bits that we call the miracle of life being created. And a, a child is created. And I think there's some things that you can infer from that, that raising a child is supposed to be a male and female thing. And in point of fact, when... Lyndon Johnson declared war on poverty in this country in the 1960s. He did one thing in particular. He hadn't defeated poverty. Poverty is still with us. But what he, what he did defeat is the black family. And that is undeniable. When Lyndon Johnson declared war on poverty, three out of four African-American children were raised in a household that included both a male and a female a father and a mother, mm-hmm. at the very least. That statistic is now directly reversed. Just under a quarter of African-American children today are raised in households where they have both a mother and a father. The vast majority of African-American children, and I'm just talking about African-American children because that's the, those are the statistics that I found, are raised in single-parent homes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's 90% of our problems. And one, of the, one, of the, one bit of wisdom that I found, I've read a lot of books, this bit of wisdom from uh, Dr. Ken Coley, on equipping fathers for leadership and he talks about in his book equipping uh fathers to lead families he says when he would come home from uh, playing basketball on saturday mornings with his kids his older kids the younger kids in the household who would mimic their it, they would run along the basketball court as the older kids were playing and mimic their actions and when he one day he came home and he found his his four-year-old had taken his sweaty gym clothes off the floor and put them on, including socks and everything, sweaty, stinky clothes, and was in the basement running back and forth, bouncing a basketball. That's his four-year-old. And, and the point being, and he, just, he said, in that moment, I had an, a, an epiphany. I realized that my children are watching every single thing I do. And so my belief, folks, is that fathers are critical to this this equation. And the, and the parting wisdom that I have for you guys is fathers, your children are watching everything. Every single thing that you do, and it's your job to make them into men. Yep. And women can do it, but it's much harder. Yep. And we need more men in this country. And we'll have more to say about that in coming episodes. Uh, folks, let me leave you with this bit of wisdom from the Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. That's Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Y'all have a great week. Be blessed. We'll be back next week with more Saturday Morning Coffee right now. Stick around for Tom Heron and Up With America. Y'all be blessed.
1: Gotta give this land back to God. Give it Back. Life.